so excited that you are joining us on this day. It's incredible uh, what has happened this week. If you just think about you know, what's taking place both in Idaho and Washington, uh, we've been mandated, asked to stay home. Uh, and never did I think in the history of my lifetime that I'd be asked to do that. And many of us are not happy about it. Uh, you might be happy for a couple of days. I think the only people that are happy are the dogs in the house uh, because people are around them all the time and they get the extra scraps and the extra food. Uh, but one of the things that you need to know about us at Valley Real Life is that we really want to do our best to honor God. We want to honor him. And one of the ways that we honor God is actually by honoring our government officials. Whether we agree or disagree with them, in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. And so we want to make sure that we're doing our part to honor, because this isn't religious persecution. This is just a way that we're supporting what I know must be incredibly difficult and challenging decisions for those who are in leadership. I want to also, though, give you some good news in the midst of all of this. As you know, Governor Inslee and our local officials have made exceptions to those who are required to stay at home. And we qualify for two of those exceptions. Uh, the first one being is our food distribution locations. Both at here and at Otis, we are giving food out on a regular basis. And so I just want to remind you once again, when you go shopping, when you go to get your groceries, can you please take uh, some time and some thought to buy in some others for somebody else and then swing it by our location so that we can distribute to others as well. Secondly, uh, one of the uh, exceptions to this rule has been uh, that we are allowed to do live streaming. We're allowed to do uh, services online so that you and thousands of others in this region, in this country, and literally around the world can encounter and experience God. So on behalf of Valley Real Life, if you happen to be watching and you are a government official, both here or in Seattle or even nationally, I just want to say thank you. We are monitoring and we are making sure we're practicing social distancing in the ways that they prescribe to have as few people at this location as possible. So just thank you. Thanks again. Last thing I want to mention before we jump in is I've been asked by a number of you, hey, I'm at home and I have some extra time. How can I help? How can I be a part of what God's doing through here? And there's two ways that you can be a part of. The first is that you can still serve. There are many ways that we actually need, as things have transitioned so quickly, that we need people who have some specific skills or a specific heart for others to be able to jump in. See, we're in this season where we're really trying to focus on connection and care. And so let me give you a couple of ways that you could serve by just going to vrl.church backslash serve. Uh, maybe you have some skills in video editing, software development, web design, or social media support. We desperately need your help, and God wants to use your talents to glorify him. Sign up for one of those things. Or maybe on the care side, uh, you are good on the phone, and we need people that are going to constantly call people on a weekly basis, checking in to seeing how they're doing. We need people to help with our food distribution, and we need everyone to join us in prayer. Again, specific ways that God wants to use you, even through this season, especially if you call this your church home. Secondly, is I want to encourage you how you can help during the season is to continue or start giving financially. And if you're giving financially, to give generously. 
Uh, as you know, in your business, in your employment, things are changing on a regular basis. And for us, we had a group of people who primarily gave during services and have not yet transitioned to giving online or through bill pay. And so as this video continues to show, we want to encourage you to be able to do that immediately. I want to also be absolutely clear For those of you who have means and who have extra means, sometimes you wait and you wait for opportunities. And here's one of the things I know about Valley Real Life is that we're a generous church. We have been, we always will be a generous church. Whether we're asking for money for widows, over $150,000 comes in in a moment's notice, or we're asking for Christmas Eve service offerings that is going to go outside this church. Well, we're going to ask you to give to the needs that God is giving to us right now. And so if you have a desire, something's put on your heart and you've been given some extra, we're going to ask you to go above and beyond during this season at this time. And your resources are going to go to two places. Number one, if you have felt connected or cared for, I can promise you it traces back to someone who's on staff here, that they are leading, that they're praying, that they're overseeing. And so when you give, you're supporting that staff person so that they can support volunteers who then eventually is supporting you on a regular basis in care and connection. Secondly, when you give, it's going to go, because we've reduced down to our bare minimum, it's going to continue to go to opportunities for us to show care to our community. And I'm excited to be able to share some additional things that we're brainstorming and processing through right now in the coming weeks ahead. So I just want to take a second and thank you in advance because you are and have always been a generous church. And so thank you for your generosity. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what I know to be true. And I ask, Lord, for those who've not yet transitioned to online, that they would do so now. That They would take time today to do that. And for those who have been given much and her in situations where they can, I pray that they would go above and beyond and that we would steward those resources in ways that would bring honor to you, connection to people who know and don't know you, and care to thousands. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hey, to, to kick off you know, our, our sermon today, um, I just know, whether, and I think you're like me, is that we need to laugh. We need to have a good time, and we need to laugh at our circumstance and our situation. And so on social media this week, I asked this question, uh, show me a meme, show me uh, uh, an example of something that made you laugh, knowing that we are at home in uh, this part of the country and and, in some places even around this nation around the world. And and so here was some of the following, you know, that you were uh, willing to share that I want to show you, you know, right now. Uh, The first is uh, the one that I submitted. It's uh, Where's Waldo? You know, Where's Waldo is the social uh, media kind of thing that we saw on a regular basis that I used to grow up with, you know, as a kid. Um, This second one, we'll take a look at it, is uh, Be This Little Piggy. Now, you're going to have to think about this for just a second, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, this little piggy went where? You know, how about this third one, you know, was uh, for those of you who are (laughs) more into sci-fi, the pre-corona chokehold. Post-corona, you know, with uh, safe social distancing. And so uh, that's obviously a hilarious one. Uh, The next one is, uh, those of you who watch, you know, commercials on a regular basis, uh, what are we wearing, Jake from State Farm? A hazmat suit. A hazmat suit. I always got to chuckle. This is next year's school pictures. I know this will be for my boys, and it's probably for your kids as well, since all the haircut places are gone. Uh, This next one, it says, anybody let the Amish know what's going on yet? 
Uh, you're going to have to explain maybe uh, that one to some of your kids uh, as well. Uh, and the next one, for those of you who are homeschooling, and just like that, spankings and prayer is back in school. Hashtag homeschool 2020. Uh, I think uh, we might have another one. Oh, this one uh, was one of the ones that you said was your favorite. It says, anyone else feel like life is being written by a fourth grader right now? And there was this virus and everyone was scared. And then the, the world ran out of toilet paper. Yeah. And then there was no school for like a month and then it snowed. That would be an example, at least in our house as well. I believe that we have uh, one or two more. How about this one? Many parents are just about to discover that the teacher was not the problem. Those of you teachers, you're absolutely welcome. You see, we've been in this series, you know, called The Passion. You know, and this idea is Jesus has been on the cross, and he is expressing great passion in his connection with God and other people. But he's not just doing it by what he did, but also what he said. So we're looking at seven phrases that he gave from the cross. Now, passion from an urban dictionary says, passion is ambition that is materialized into action to put as much heart, mind, body, and soul into something as possible. In times of suffering, in times of difficulty and challenge, we realize that we identify quickly what are we most passionate about. It actually gets played out in our fears and in our suffering. Jesus in his suffering was most passionate about you and he's most passionate about me. So I wonder today, in your situation, are you feeling abandoned, deserted, or alone? That's the reality of, of, of for some people who are experiencing that right now, for some of you, you may not be experiencing that, but the longer that this goes on, the more those kinds of feelings are going to be natural as a response to what we're going through. In fact, I was talking uh, to somebody else who happens to be a high extrovert, and in their extrovertedness, they're like, this is like torture. They also happen to have physical touch as a love language. So I'm like, man, that's hard. But I'm going to be honest, I couldn't help but think in the back of my mind, I'm an introvert and touch is not my language. This is like heaven. So that's, that's just me. But I do know that this is hard. And it is hard for me as well. And it's hard for you as we go through this. So if you're alone at your house, I want you to know that you're not alone. And that you can reach out to us as well. If you're with your family, here's what I know. Is that you're going to experience tension in the home. There's no way that you can be in that close of proximity for that extended period of time that you're not going to rub each other the wrong way on a fairly regular basis. And even though you're around people, you're going to feel isolated. You're going to feel alone. And at times you might even feel abandoned. If you get nothing out of what we're going to talk about today, I want you to get this out of. You are not alone. You are not alone. But when we feel alone, understand that Jesus can identify and he relates. See, Jesus experienced the full weight of his feelings of abandonment by God and others. Think about his ministry. He had this huge crowd that was following. Thousands of people were listening to Jesus. But as he got closer and closer to the primary purpose of why he came, the crowds got smaller and smaller until the night before he actually died, he was betrayed by one of his closest followers. And then not but too long later, he was actually denied that that disciple even knew him. They even knew him. He went from the, the top of the mountain to absolute abandonment by the ones he invested his life into the most. 
And then we find him on the cross, battered, bruised. And here's one of the things that we hear him saying. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land at three o'clock, and the whole land until three o'clock in the afternoon. So it was three hours of darkness. Now, for those of you who, you know, are, are a little bit on the apologetic side, the proof that how do we know that the Bible is real, I, I want to remind you of a couple things. First, this wasn't a solar eclipse. It would be like seven minutes, you know, that would go by. It was three hours. Now, the reason that we know that what took place was true was that over seven different, seven different historians who were not Jewish and who were not Christ followers wrote an account of this actual incident taking place, proving once again historically that this event happened. In fact, one of the writers wrote this. In the fourth year of the 202nd Olympiad, which is A.D. 3233, a failure of the sun took place greater than any previously known. And night came on the sixth hour of the day so that stars actually appeared in the sky. And a great earthquake took place in these regions and, uh, and across the area in Nicosia and other places like that. How incredible is that? That non-Jewish, non-followers of Jesus would record that this event is real. It goes to show that God's word, once again, can be trusted. And it's true. I know if you're like my oldest son, this kind of stuff just affirms again his faith uh, that he really knows that he can stand on a firm foundation. Okay, let's go back to what Jesus had to say while he was on the cross. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. Now Jesus spoke Aramaic, he spoke Greek, and he obviously was aware of Hebrew, and he spoke that as well, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Now, you might have a different translation if you're looking in your Bibles, because that Greek word, abandoned, literally means forsaken, deserted, and left behind. That's what those, that word means. So not only did Jesus feel like he was abandoned by others, but Jesus on that cross felt like he was abandoned by God. Now, here's what you need to know. Jesus is carrying on that cross, especially up to that moment, which not much time later, he would say these words, and we'll talk more about this next week. It is finished. And so he's right about up to that point. He says these words first before he says the words, it is finished. And he's carrying the weight of our sin. The weight of all humanity is upon his shoulders. And it appears that God has abandoned him. We know that that is not true. But we also know that's what Jesus felt as being fully God and fully man. He felt that weight. And it got me thinking, how about you? Have you ever felt the weight, the feeling of being abandoned by God. See, at times in our lives, all of us will feel abandoned by God and others. If it hasn't happened yet in your life, unfortunately, I can promise you that it will. Now, this isn't just Jesus, and this isn't just you and me and our lack of faith or lack of understanding, because if you understand the Old Testament, so many of the heroes of the faith struggled with this at times in their journey and relationship with God. Abraham felt it at times, Moses did, Elijah did, and even King David. Now, King David is especially important for us to know 
Because Jesus on the cross, he's actually literally quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting a psalm that David wrote that it was actually sung. So you know how music kind of sticks in your head? Well, that's the same thing that's happening at this time. And so this is a psalm that was sung on a regular basis. Notice the words that David writes. Psalms 22, 1 and 2. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you. My God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Ever felt that way? Like, I feel like I'm praying, but you're not there. I don't know why these circumstances are happening to me. I don't deserve this. Why me? When you lose your job, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When you, when you go through a divorce, my God, why have you abandoned me? When someone you know has COVID-19, my God, why have you abandoned me? When someone you know, then love actually passes away, my God, why have you abandoned me? Can you identify because I know in my life, this is how I feel. When I screw up royally, when I sin, when I do things that I know are outside of God's will for my life, I feel distant from God. And I can put that on him because of what I'm feeling. I'm feeling my sin. I'm feeling my weight on my shame. And I'm thinking, God, have you abandoned me because of what I've done? Maybe for some of you, it's on the other side. And what I mean by that is that you're doing everything right you go to church, you pray regularly, you know, you, you study God's word, you know, uh, you serve, you give, you do all of the right things, and yet you're still struggling with anxiety and depression and loneliness and isolation and abandonment. In those times, you cry out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? You know what's really cool on a positive side of all this? Jesus doesn't just say this out loud as if he doesn't know what he's doing. The writer who writes this is a guy by the name of Matthew. Matthew, his primary purpose in writing that book is for his Jewish audience. He records Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which would have reminded any Jewish leader, any Jewish person who had grown up in what's called their church or synagogue, they would have reminded them of this song that was sung on a regular basis that they were taught since they were little. It wasn't by accident that Matthew was including this in there because they would remember, wait a minute, those were the words of David so that Jesus can identify with us and we can identify with what he is going through because David struggled with this. Jesus struggles with this. I struggle with this and so do you. And we're honest before God and we say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, you wanna know something else that's pretty cool about this? Never really noticed this until I really dug in this week. If you get a chance this week, read through all of Psalm 22. At the very end of Psalm 22, in your Bible, the version that says this, the last four words in Psalm 22 is this, he has done it. That Hebrew word for he has done it can also be translated literally, it is finished. 
wouldn't it be like God through Matthew to a Jewish audience to say, when you hear Jesus say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That will actually bring comfort and perspective, not just in that, but you'll remember the whole Psalm, even as he gets to the end of it is finished. And they would hearken back, they would listen back, and they would remember, like, wait a minute, there's some lessons that Jesus is still wanting to communicate to us, still wanting to empower to us because of his passion and his love for us that we don't want to miss even on this day. Because the question becomes, how do we work through these very real circumstances and feelings? And David tells us how to do it. Because the story The verses of David's life does not end with, why have you forsaken me? The very next verse, Psalms 22, 3, says this, yet, yet you are holy. You're enthroned on the praises of Israel. What he's saying is, remember God's character. Not if, but when you feel isolated, alone, abandoned, forsaken, whatever you're feeling at that time, one of the things that helps is to remember who God is. That he's doing this or allowing this for a reason. And it's not to harm. It's actually to help. Even though it may be painful in the moment. Psalms 22.3, yet you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Now, secondly, David goes on. He doesn't stop at verse three. And he says, not only are we to remember who God is, we've got to remember God's character. We got to remember his character. In Psalms 22, verse four and five, it says, our ancestors trusted in you. Then you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. So not only do we focus on his character, we remember God's past faithfulness. We remember his past faithfulness. You want to know what helps me through circumstances of stress and trial and abandonment and and pain and my own sin and that old feeling we just talked about is when I stop and remember, you know what? God was there before, which means that even though I might feel distant from God, that I know that he's with me even now. Not only are we to remember God's past faithfulness, but another thing that helps is to remember God is there even when you can't see or when you can't feel him. In the New Testament, Jesus reminds us in Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You're never, ever alone. He tells us he'll never leave us and he'll never abandon us. First Thessalonians 5, 17, he encourages us in that season to never stop praying. Never stop. Even when you feel or don't feel, don't allow your feelings to determine the truth that God is there. That he's here and he's with you right now. In fact, one of the most famous poems that was written by an unknown author, I think says it best. One night, I dreamed a dream. And as I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one belonging to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me. So I asked the Lord, Lord, you said, 
once I decided to follow you, that you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you the most, why would you leave me? Why would you abandon me? He whispered, my precious child, I love you and would never leave you. Never, ever, during your trials and testings, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Our perspective may be we're alone, but we've got to remember that God is with us. And we remember that he's with us, then we can hold firm to other promises that he makes to us in his word. And we're allowed to remember his promises In fact, Romans chapter 8, just remember this promise during this season especially. And I am convinced that neither can death or life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in our Lord Jesus Christ. What a powerful truth. Nothing will separate you from relationship, from connection, from love of God. But man, I know, it looks bad. At times it's gonna feel bad, and at times it is bad, but that's not how it ends. It's always darkest before the dawn. And in this case, as Steve already mentioned, is that the darkest moment in history before the greatest event of history to go from the cross to then the resurrection. There is no hope. I feel alone. I feel abandoned. To I've never experienced so much life, peace, and fulfillment that takes place in the resurrection. So as we close, I'm gonna ask you to choose. Choose to proclaim trust in Jesus even as we wrestle through this situation. And I promise you it's a wrestle. It is. If you go back and read through Psalms 22, you'll see David's like, God, where are you? I'm going to trust you. God, where are you? This is really hard, and I don't know if I can do it. God, I, 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 I put my faith and trust in you, but I don't know how I'm going to make it through this situation. And time and time again, but then he makes a resolution. Then he makes a choice to proclaim this truth in verse 22. He says, I will proclaim your name. To my brothers and sisters, I will praise you among your assembled people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but he has listened to their cries for help. God is here. God is listening. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time that we can just focus on you, remembering that it's okay to express feelings of suffering, feelings of abandonment, feelings of isolation. Father, it's okay. You actually ask us to bring it to you. Father, I pray that you would bring comfort, though, You'd help us to hold on, that we would remember your character. We remember 
your, your promises, that we would remember your faithfulness, that we remember what you have done in the past to help us to get through the present so that we can get to the future. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.